This is Launch Lab Podcast. I'm your host, Rain Phoenix. Today, our very special guest is Alex Ebert launching Try. Don't forget, rate and subscribe. Follow us on all socials at Launch Left. Hello, Alex Ebert. Finally, I, I get you in the Launch Left room and in a Launch Left podcast. I've been wanting to speak with yeah. you for a long time. I uh, admire your music. I think everyone probably knows you from Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros first. Uh, but um, you have done so much more than that and are so much more than that. And uh, one of the things that I really admire about you is the thinker that you are. You're a philosopher and you care so much, so deeply about the environment and about other people and other beings. And uh, so I just feel really blessed to have the opportunity to speak with you about the things that you're passionate about, because that's what we're all about here at Launch Left. Uh, we're not really like a uh, going to ask you the questions that a music magazine would ask you, or uh, or pretty much anything related necessarily to exactly what you've done in music. I'm not really interested in that. I've never been. I'm, I'm more interested in talking to artists about what fuels their creative and why they've chosen art as a, a means of expressing uh, their pain, which is usually, to me at least, how art comes to be. So thank you for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. That sounds wonderful. I, I can't wait to uh, to chop it up with you. Yeah, and it's good to see you after all this time. Yeah, I know. You went and moved to uh, New Orleans, which I love. I love so much, Nola. I, you know, I grew up in the South as well, so spent some time there, and um, it's such an amazing city. If you don't mind me asking what made you go there. It's funny. I, you know, I grew up in the Valley in Los Angeles, and, and it's just, I always had this sneaking suspicion that um, there was more culture to be experienced uh, than just a bunch of concrete and uh, that there was sort of a, a dense throbbing communal thing I, my mom showed me this this uh, story I wrote when I was six and it's it goes uh, once there was a boy who had a crew uh, he, they also knew kung fu and uh, they went around the world and blah, blah, blah. She showed it to me when when she, when I started Edward Sharp. She's like, you know, you've always wanted community and blah, blah, blah. I have this story. And she showed me. I was like, oh, my gosh. Once there was a boy who had a crew. <laughs> what a great, great start. Uh, and, and New Orleans had this um, this vibe that I'd only seen at like Disneyland. I, I For the first few years I was here, I kept every time I walk around, I kept having to pinch myself and be like no no no, this is real this wasn't set up for tourists this is um these are real houses and real homes and architecture that's been around for several hundred years and um i don't know there was a sense of like a lack of really living quote unquote that i always had as sort of like a white upper middle class kid growing up in the valley um and this just struck me as just so rich and um you know, we'd have time off during tour. So we'd come here and um, we took this one tour with uh, Mumford and Son and Old Crow Medicine Show in real trains. We got in these actual train cars from like the 1940s and went all the way from the Bay Area down through Marfa, Texas, through uh, and ended up in uh, New Orleans. And I think after that, that was sort of like, OK, I'm. I'm going to move here at some point. And then we were having a kid, me and my uh, baby mama were having a kid. And she's like, I don't want to raise my kid in LA. I was like, okay, okay. 
I think I got the place. And uh, yeah, we came here and we've, I've been here ever since, which is weird to be in one place for so long for me. But um, yeah. So I, I can relate to that sort of uh, pilgrimage and also community. I've also been just always um, interested in the idea of people coming together, specifically the creative people intentionally, artists intentionally coming together and lifting each other up. First of all, if you're out there listening or watching this, I thoroughly enjoy your Instagram. You always got such cool advice, whether it's recording or just like philosophical meanderings on specific, very specific things that are really interesting, you know? Very, very specific things. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I know, I've been enjoying your stuff on AI and... um, sort of the art of failure. Do you want to speak a little bit about that? Because that's so in the news yeah. right now, some of your opinions on uh, AI and how it affects artists. I yeah, I, I was even thinking about, you know, writing a way of the artist part two, because I think that, you know, so much of what, I mean, it's fascinating, actually, the the, the way that artists have been taught to do art, especially at the collegiate level, but even before then, is a lot of is everything that AI has been trained to do that, that AI does flawlessly know your, know your audience. Um, all of these sort of modes of, um, packaging, which streamline the artistic process and create a sort of, um, implacable, uh, success and, and, and heighten your chances for success by essentially stealing from your recent successes building on them and uh, and transforming them into commodities and that's exactly what ai does it's able to um sort of scrape data in terms of you know audience uh, uh consumption take that scraped data take all of the valuable successes of that data and then create new pieces of art or writing or whatever they they are based on the um, consumptive uh, patterns um, of previous successes and based on the intended audience that the AI is targeting. So all the things we've been trying to do and, and only doing so well because we're humans, AI now does flawlessly. So everything artists have been taught is essentially going to be useless um, because what we've been teaching ourselves is to create the most artificially streamlined and what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, anyway, uh, the word is escaping me right now, but it's like one of those current just total buzzwords. Um, but anyway, the, 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 the point being that AI is the first invention that I can think of that is essentially limitless. Like when we think about AI, it's like, okay, cool. So what's the limitations? And we can say, well, it's not real or something, but it does affect real life. And is the mind real? So as uh, AI as a mind, where are its limits? I can think of any other invention, the calculator, the wheel, the airplane. It's like, okay, there's the limit. I see the limits. You can feel the limits, touch the limits. AI is almost limitless. So when we think about being in competition creatively with AI, the only thing that I see playing to our advantage are our limitations. And there's this great quote by Brian Eno that I'm going to 
totally fudge right now, but it's something like the only valuable aspects of every paradigm shift creatively are those aspects which have pushed the limitations of that particular medium to the point of the uh, to the breaking point so you have for instance guitar distortion or you have the uh the 8-bit sort of quality of the first cameras that came out digital cameras came out that now all the gen z kids want you have like these limitations the limitations of the art form themselves the saturation points distortion points the the all of that stuff end up becoming as he says i think like the the signature of that art form and um and i think what we have to do is is play with our own limitations so we have these really great limitations at our disposal some of them we've previously seen as really negatives like uh impatience so impatience is a great motivator uh, and differentiator from AI because it creates a time constraints. So when we have everything at our disposal, like we have the computer and we're sitting there and we have all I, like my studios back there and I have every mic I could possibly want. I have infinite amount of recording time. I have all the instruments. Where are my constraints? Because that phrase like necessity is the mother of invention, which is that post I made recently. It's really true, you know, corn, like, like we create things, invent things because we need them uh, and because we have a moment of total necessity. And so we create something and usually that necessity is created by constraints. Like I don't have a tambourine present, so I'm going to put a bunch of pennies in a jar and shake them up, you know, and that'll be my sound. And it's a totally new sound or I don't have the time to mic this up properly. So I'm going to mic it from over here and create this improper failed sound and that failure in and of itself is the new piece of art it's the the new contribution to the sonic palette of culture and um and i think that you know what i love about this if ai is doing all those things well it, it turns out from my own point of view all those things ai doing were the very things that were taking all of the heart out of art to begin with you know, and uh, and and streamlining the process and making everything just so um, capitalistically driven and product driven, and instead we get to now break things and um, and fail and try off the wall oblique strategies that make things sound uh, different and wrong, and it's those wrongnesses, um, you know, that that create the newnesses. Because otherwise, if we're always doing everything right, so we're just going to end up with the same thing over and over again. So I think that there's a great opportunity here for artists to realize that the um, the path that we'd been on is going to be totally overtaken by this machine learning process, and that the only things we're really going to be able to contribute. By the way, I, the argument that like, yeah, but we can still prompt the AI. That's like just that's just not a solid argument. I'm sorry for everyone out there. It's like, no, 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 it's, I'm still prompting it. There's already AI, like the prompting is a gimme to get the thing to go viral. These, these large learning language, uh, large language learning machines uh, don't need prompting. There's already self-prompting machines out there, uh, self-prompting AI. They just scrape the data, give us what we want, what we, that it assumes we want, which we do, and we don't have to prompt it. So, that notion of like, we're going to use it ourselves and all that, I think is sort of erroneous. The thing that we can do is fail in ways that AI is not capable of failing. We can assign our own limitations 
and create new works of art. And so the, the path of the artist, I think, is going to constantly be ahead of where AI is so that we're forging new paths ahead vis-a-vis -vis failure and via our own limitations and invention. And then AI is going to catch up to it, be like, oh, shit, that's catching on. Let me imitate that. And then we're going to have to forge ahead again and then again and then again. There's always be the avant-garde. And, um, yeah, I think that's the only... Sadly, the only future for uh, for artists, um, given given where we're at, and it's going to rapidly accelerate. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. For all all its um, dystopian implications, uh, for some reason, I, that is an inspiring uh, trajectory, as opposed to acquiescing yeah. to the status quo of the a learned artist's existence and 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 just making mediocre you know along with the ai making what is learned and to me it's always more interesting to be outside the box like that and to um to fail like w this fear of failure that we have is as paralyzed so many artists that i know and myself included throughout my life uh, because of what other people might think and, and whatnot. And I think exercising always our, our right to fail and fail better every time is, um, is innovative. And there's, I personally love what you're talking about in terms of limitations as well, because for example, the four track recorder, I made a record with that, uh, with one of my bands. And that was really an amazing exercise in, in limitation, you know, and uh, you, you only have what you have to work with. And I, I think that that's good too, to uh, not have everything at your fingertips all the time. Um, but you're right in the way that, that humans and, and AI will never be the same in, in the fact that we are um, fallible. Piggybacking on what you said, I think that the the word I was looking for previously was optimization. And mm. uh, obviously so much of, you know, this whole life hacking culture, like all these hacks and shortcuts, and I'm going to, you know, just hack the shit out of my life and uh, and and create a hyper optimized um, living situation. And meanwhile, you know, the scenic route is where all the gold is. And yet we're creating all these freeway shortcuts from one synapse mm. to the other and one thing to the other. And we're not we're not really taking the time to have happy accidents. And um, and that's that's something that I think if there's one silver lining that AI is going to do by boxing us out of the optimization game, it's going to sort of force us to reconsider the uh, the scenic routes. Wow, that was profound and so glad I asked because uh really that gives me a, a lot of pause in that respect because we are so uh in regard to optimization yeah the uh, time i don't know if you have this experience of time some sorry sometimes i just don't finish my sentences because i'm like jumping to the next <laughs> but it seems like it's speeding so very fast now and even for my young nephews say that that they feel that time which is really what's alarming to me because i remember i was like oh if i was 18 i wouldn't think that you know but actually apparently it feels that way for everyone so of course I this idea of optimization has come into play which is like oh my god i'm gonna die so soon i gotta do this quick or i gotta figure out how to hack right but you're right like you potentially there's these this gold buried along the route that you're completely missing and you arrive you know at the end to a sort of 
a, a desert with no water and no gold and no no promise. You're, you're launching Try, which is the wonderful Sam Spiegel. I don't know Schmuck the Loyal, but I'm looking forward to meeting him. Um, I think you're involved with their project. You want yeah, to I mean, you? I've known Sam for a while and uh, he's always had really interesting projects that he's been working on and um, I'm you know I'm I'm glad he's thought of me and looped me in uh, on occasion uh, and this was one of those occasions he's like you know I'm coming out to New Orleans let's do this let's do it and so he flew out and uh, I just walked in blind and we just started messing around on this song and um, yeah we just had a really good time um love hanging out with them in the studio and you know uh that's a that's sort of the extent of my collab with them but um yeah cool. i just really appreciate appreciate them yeah i haven't met schmuck myself schmuck shall we welcome them and have a little conversation yeah. we were just talking about you guys and your amazing project listen to the ep so good can you can you share a little bit about how this project came I to mean, be because i know schmuck and i met like around the any end of 2019 we got introduced uh by my old manager blade who's still a very good friend and um and we had had a session in new york and then then the pandemic rolled around and we just started like i think we both were kind of cooped up and just feeling this we were in this weird post-apocalyptic creative cocoon that i think some artists i think it was hard for a lot of people to work and then some other artists were just like felt like they just were like ex their hearts were like exploding in this weird vacuum of space uh and um and we were both on that same kind of on that same vibe of just like hey let's make a lot of music and you know i, I was collaborating with a few, few people i was like oh this is such a cool time to collaborate with like bunch of people online and make stuff and send stuff back and forth during this weird unprecedented time and then schmuck and i just like i just loved everything i was doing with him and he was super proactive and just like me and just was like just exploding just like me and and uh and and we just kept making music and making music and then before we knew it we were like ah oh, we kind of have a project like this is actually a thing and where did you mostly work on it? Did you just fly back and forth or did you send files? So pretty much everything in the beginning was remote. And I think that was a really cool thing about just kind of the state of the world is like, I really cut my teeth on the remote workflow. You know, to me at that point in my life, starting that out, that was like the most soulless way to make music with somebody. You know, because so much of that like synchronicity that you have in the studio is like outside of just what you're working on. It's like catching up and getting to know somebody and like popping around the corner, and grab some lunch and just like getting to know somebody on a very personal level in the same room. And so like I think having a remote workflow at that point was very foreign to me for the most part, especially to the extent of us like getting a project together. You know, and and I really kind of fell in love with the oddities of that workflow. But yeah, to answer your question, it was pretty much all remote with with the exception of stuff that we had started together in the same room. A lot of stuff was just like throwing paint on the walls like Sam would be like, what do you think about this? Like, here's a few riffs and I take it and flip it and send them back something totally different. And then he'd play with it and send it back. 
And so in that way, it was almost like the approach was like kind of hyper-focused because like you sit down and there is no kind of like diddle daddling around what you're making. It's like kind of, you get to really focus on how to put your spin on something without that back and forth relationship of being in the room together. Hmm. You know, so I think that that's been very interesting is um, Sam and I's workflow has flip-flopped back and forth between these two worlds. And sometimes it's more remote and sometimes it's very in-person. And a lot of the time it's this kind of hybridized approach where we're leaning into both of the interesting sides of, of those two worlds. I love hearing about how, you know, one's hard one opinion about something being bogus, like sharing files that, you know, through this process, you have a different opinion about that. And it's become something that was became a rich part of your musical experience. Um, something you prior would not have liked, you know, it's neat when that happens, yeah. I think, for artists. And, you know, I think that that's a big part of art in general is is for a lot of mediums it's breaking down those boring things that that stand between you and the final product um especially like you know i make a lot of music on a computer and 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 i'm also a firm believer that like every human being on this earth has the potential to make a beautiful painting and a really cool record and write an impactful piece of poetry etc it's those boundaries that lie between what's here and the manifestation of that, like learning the quick commands on a computer, you know, on your software, or like learning which brush like properly puts the right stroke down. It's those kind of in-between barriers that have to be broken down. And so I think it's really easy to look at something like uh, sending files and Dropbox and emails as, as hampering the progression of the art. But ultimately, it's just another one of those things where it's like once you kind of dig into it, you start to see that there's a little bit of a beauty in every different form of making art, you know. Um, it's funny. It's almost like you guys were eavesdropping on uh, Alex and my conversation prior. We were talking about things like optimization and AI a little bit. And mm. uh, even though you weren't sharing that, I, I you said something about like shortcuts and computers, and it reminded me of what, what we had been talking a bit about. Just AI is uh, doing all the things that we've been taught to do, like optimize the workflows and know your audience and uh, target demographics and uh, how to create success. You know, it's data scraping for everything and then spitting out everything everybody already wants to know and hear and ask for and, and yet, uh, and doing it way better than we could. And so I'm just saying the thing that we can do that AI can't is work within limitations uh, and fail. We have the advantage of failure and mm -hmm. uh, happy accidents and mistakes and oblique strategies and that kind of thing. I like that. I like that. Speaking Sam of... Um... Just, uh, we were oh. just talking about happy accidents the yep. other day as, as Sam. As I, I won't talk too much about what we're working on right now, but... Well, we can talk um, about it. We can talk about it. It's going to come right. out after the. I think it's coming out right after the uh, after the podcast, right? Yeah. So, so we have a very interesting project coming out that is is diving into the world of AI um, in a video form, um, and it's really interesting because you know Sam has been as we've been keeping up with how things are moving along. He's like, man, like. I'm so used to plotting out every single part and there's just parts we just don't know what it's going to look like because we're waiting for this 
computer interpretation basically of Sam's wild vision. But there was like a little happy accident that happened in the edit. Um, and Alex, to your point, it's like something that the AI would have never done. And, and I won't re reveal what that was, but it ended up being something that we're like, oh, that's such a cool thing to integrate into the video that feels like human. And, and yeah, again, it's just something that within within the limitations of what we have as human beings there's always going to be these cool little wacky quirky things that come out of it yeah no it's been really interesting because yeah the way we're making this video is and there's never been like a full video that's been done like this to this point we were shooting everything with and with like costumes like really terrible costumes if you were to look at this video it would look like uh, as is pre AI, it would look like it was shot on like, uh, like a terrible blue screen stage with the worst '80s horror like, like special effects like, like like a terrible '80s horror special effects uh, uh, movie like and and then we're basically overlaying everything with AI both AI models of creatures and AI models of people, sometimes overlaying the actual people over on themselves. Um, but yeah, like, you know, exactly what you're saying. It's been a really interesting project. Yeah, we have no idea. Like, it's kind of like, all right, here's the, here's the theory behind the way it's going to work. And here's all the tools that people are using. We're working with some really amazing AI people who are right on the cutting edge of, of, of the tools, but there's a certain amount of like, yeah, like normally like I'll draw like a, like a, a, a board and then I'll hold it up and it's a terrible drawing, but I'll look at it and I'll then look at the finished project and I'm like, oh yeah, that's like the same thing, you know? And then this one, it's going to be like, who the fuck knows what it's going to look like. I think it's going to, I'm hoping it's going to tell the story and have the feeling that we wanted to. Uh, but, but that's been really interesting. Um, but yeah. And then, and then the mistake that Schmuck's talking about is we're actually editing at the wrong, uh, aspect ratio while we're shooting it. Wow. And, uh, and then like afterwards we realized it like after days of editing right towards the end and, um, and then, and then we, we finished, then we finished the video in that aspect ratio, which was just one-to-one, -one, like a square. And then we we were like, all right, let's do it in four three. What we were originally thinking, it's like a it's like the old TV aspect ratio, you know, and um, and then we're like, it's actually much more intimate as a, just a square, and and we didn't, and so we ended up keeping most of it in this like original aspect ratio, but like to what you, you guys are all talking about, it's like, yeah, that was a mistake, and we're like, fuck, it's so awesome that mis mistake happened. It served it served the feeling and the idea so well. Um, I was going to bring up something a lot more organic, which is uh, I know, Sam, that you um, had a baby, I think, during the pandemic, if I'm not mistaken, right? I know, Alex, you have a daughter, um, and I don't know, Schmuck, if you have a child, but my curiosity is around the idea of how children, like, do you feel that being fathers has changed your work or, or has inspired your creativity in different ways? Has it made you more of a risk taker or more conservative? I'd love to hear from, from the fathers in the room. I'm so curious if you've noticed a change in how you are creatively. I'll, I'll take a stab at that. I've been thinking about this recently. Um, and, and, and as with so many things I'm discovering as I get <laughs> smarter, as I get older, 
there's these ironic inversions that happen. Um, so for instance, I used to take music so seriously, especially my legacy. And what does this song mean? And I got to be authentic. And what's the thing about? And and everything was just serious. And I was working 18-hour days and and wanting to be on my own sort of cutting edge, my own bleeding edge, my own avant-garde, whatever that meant to me. I wanted to be pushing myself and all that sort of thing. I woke up on the first of this last year, and this has something to do with being a father and and understand like there's something about being a father <laughs> that leatherizes you, sort of weatherizes you. It it turns you into a a piece of old bubblegum. You're just like this exhausted, but you get used to the exhaustion and you suddenly become this sort of like plastic, easy thing that can just kind of roll with every punch. <laughs> like everything just becomes this leather daddy sort of not not that kind of leather daddy but like leathered <laughs> daddy <laughs> leathery daddy and um and everything's just soft and easy and I woke up this morning I mean sorry the morning of the first and I was like you know what I just had this sudden inspiration I was like everything is a hobby to me everything is easy I'm just I'm just kind of gonna give up like the professionalism and go with pure hobby for everything I started baking. I started doing all these random things and life became a lot different and easier. But what one of the ironic outcome, the ironic inversion for me, I started taking a lot more chances musically because my legacy and my identity and all the meaning and authenticity, because it wasn't all wrapped up in every single word and every single note. And suddenly it was all just cool and soft and easy and pliable. And, um, and I didn't care as much about what the outcome would be. And so, and I think that that, I think I was influenced to that place through being a dad in some way, a lot of, in a lot of ways, like your legacy is kind of wrapped up in your kid. Like that's your actual legacy. And so after that, you can kind of just be like, okay, what are my hobbies then? <laughs> and, um, and I feel a lot like kind of freed up uh, mm. to kind of just to fail actually coming back to failure. So anyway, that, that'd be my answer at the moment. That's beautiful cool. i like that i it's because that's almost when you're describing the way you're approaching your art it feels like when somebody first like starts making art yeah you're, yes you're like you don't really give a fuck you're just like oh this feels good exactly um, yeah and yeah it's, well i like that it's like a rebirth of a art uh as an artist as a new artist i before mean before you become trapped by your own identity as an artist yeah. yeah. Yes. And you're more and more like, well, I'm this. And I, and I, that means I can't do that. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, I think Alex has more years with his beautiful daughter than me. Uh, but, you know, so my kid's only two. Um, and, uh, but I'm, I, I think I'm still, I like your description of like the leathery dad, like, and just because you are, it's just, there's so much stuff that you're like juggling all the time. I know exactly what you mean, like where you're just like, okay, this is happening now. And I'm like, okay, hold it, hang on, I'm gonna hold it, you know, like if there's ability <laughs> and, and pliability that didn't yeah. need to exist. Uh but also like I guess for me, and I don't know how much or how exactly this is affecting me as an artist, but like like my kid, he's like so fucking stoked and so excited about stuff and like and and he gets like he's just like 
I don't know. Let me think. It's like, there's an owl. There's a fucking owl outside. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, and like, and, and like, I don't know. I feel like just uh, like being reminded how awesome and insane, like the fact that we're even like here is, mm-hmm. you know, and alive and humans and mm-hmm. conscious and, and 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 that the world is so complicated and amazing and i don't know like i think kind of i i somehow and it's conscious too but like uh it's conscious i'm consciously aware of like wanting to be in and find that and be in touch with that enthusiasm and that like inner child and and probably like like I think lately because we've been making all these videos and so there's a lot of concepting out and I'm I, I'm probably a little bit more just like oh this field it's probably is similar to what you're saying Alex it's like oh this thing is fucking weird this idea is weird and I'm just gonna but it feels good and it'll be fun and like that's what's happening and and yeah, uh, you know and what? also remember how uh, the joy just like remembering the 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 yeah to be to to appreciate the joy and and, you know that's uh that's been a nice thing that may or may not have been influenced by x but probably has quite a a deal good deal so important that's so beautiful and profound joy to me right now i mean i think in any era but it feels like more than ever with so much going on and so much uncertainty you know it is an artist's responsibility to create and cultivate joy and to share it and that's something that we can do and that we do do and that's what you know that's what people go to music for and to film and tv and whatever your art form is uh is you know ultimately everyone wants to be happy that we know to be true right so and nobody wants to suffer or have their family suffer so those those truths mean like well if you can cultivate joy and make it and make beautiful things that make people laugh or have or just bring the energy of joy through a dark project like the honorable david lynch who i always cite as my favorite joy creator even through his amazing dark films and i'm so grateful that uh you you know you reached out and that you could be on the show all together because uh this was a meaningful conversation is there anything you want to share i feel that you know try should share all the things your your socials whatever you want to share about your collab uh with our audience um i got one thing just like i mean because we we're just talking about the pandemic and and it's just kind of fun like we were sending a bunch of music with people but like alex was the first like literally the day that you could fly i flew to new orleans <laughs> and worked with alex it, it was the first time i'd like been in the room with anybody like which wow. was awesome and then and it was so fucking fun and we we're in this like church studio like in new orleans and everybody was just walking around i had a great time just hanging down there once you know and and so that was pretty cool that we had been like able to be i don't know it was like the very first thing because alex is on the tribe project you know we haven't mentioned that and he's on this great it's a very to me it's like a new orleans future like funk song or weird psychedelic and he's like almost like this weird psychedelic street urchin like like spirit warrior uh creature on it or something i don't know i love that 
so that was fun and yeah and then and then right after that you know like talk about joy like schmuck this dude is is he's just so full of it and just so fucking oh man just like it's one of my favorite things about working with working with people that are full of excitement and joy is just the best and and we went i went you know right after that i went straight from alex to go to work with schmuck and mickey echo for our last single fire sign and that was like one of the greatest sessions of joyful people i've ever experienced it was just like jumping and yelling the entire time we were so sick to be in the room together <laughs> yeah that was like such a crazy time coming out of the like covid era of making music you know it's kind of like that was like the full circle from what we were talking about earlier about like embracing a new workflow and kind of like locking into your computer and your instrument and sending files and then it was like all right this human element of harmony with somebody and like being in the same room and like um alex i thought it was so interesting what you were saying about like the kind of rebirth of you as an artist after having a child and i don't have children um but like i kind of had this moment at the end of 2020 where i feel like my hyper fixation on my work was like kind of a coping mechanism for me right like i was like i was like really laser focused on this efficiency of like make art every single day you know <laughs> And yeah. I had this like moment where like, I just woke up one morning and I was just <laughs> like, I don't use the word burnout. Like, I don't, I don't believe in it for me personally. <laughs> it's just like sacrilegious in what I do as an artist, but I was burnt on this ideology that I had applied to my art. And I was like, I want to hold a baby animal and touch grass and like hug my friends and like, be on a hill under like the full moon i want to like get up and howl and like i want to reawaken the human inside of me that has been dormant and hyper focused on something that i had before called my life and that was my music and i used to say music is my life and now i say music is a really, really important part of my life. And I think that that was a shift that I had that like made me remember that those human elements are not only an important element of art, but they are art within itself, you know? So I think that that's like such a huge thing to remember is like go outside and like, feel the sunshine and like do something different, break your routine, open yourself up to, to circumstance, say yes when that circumstance makes itself presented to you. And that that's such a core factor to some of the things that we make in our lives with the time that we have here. Make your life art, you know? Yeah. Indeed. Instead of just making art, it's like... <laughs> Yeah, I relate to that totally. That's that's great. I think it's, that was a beautiful way to uh, to close was make your life art, you know. Oh, well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to chat with us. It's been a blast. Oh, you guys are rad. Thanks so much. It's rad to be on you. I love your podcast and it's, it's I was psyched to be on it. So I, uh, I like to talk to Alex on it too. Like he's. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on. Uh, it was good to talk with you guys today.
Launch Left aims to create an intentional space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice, but a necessity. Launch Left begins with music, but its ultimate aim is to launch left-of-center artists in all creative fields. 